guys. It's Leah Buckles from Prestige Worldwide Medical Consulting. I am a U.S. Army veteran, physician assistant, and former CMP examiner. Today, I want to come on and discuss coronary artery disease and how it relates to VA disability with weight gain as an intermediate step. So I just want to throw a disclaimer out from the beginning that I have not personally worked in internal medicine or in um, cardiology. I have treated this condition myself in primary care. Um, on active duty, and um, it is a pretty prevalent condition, right? So their service members can be diagnosed with this on active duty. They can be diagnosed after active duty, and it be related secondarily to other conditions like we're going to talk about today. Um, one of the experts in my company who has been with me for several years, um, her, her name is Heather. She worked in cardiology for many, many years, so um, we kind of you know, bounce back and forth between things. She handles a lot of the cardiac cases. I do a lot of the cardiac cases as well, but we have a lot of good experience, um, multifaceted experience here to um, look at different types of cases, right? So coronary artery disease, often um, also referred to as arteri arteriosclerotic heart disease, is something that veterans can be rated for. As I mentioned, if they are if they're diagnosed on active duty, you can be rated for this, or if it's related to another medical condition. So, what is coronary artery disease? So, it's a narrowing or blockage of your arteries on your actual heart um, that is caused by buildup of plaque or fatty deposits um, and cholesterol in the arteries. Okay. So an individual with coronary artery disease can have chest pain, shortness of breath. They can de develop heart attacks. Um, there are a lot of risk factors that go along with this. And these are really important for us to look at when we're writing medical opinion letters for this, because if we're going to say that your um, disorder is related to a specific thing, then we have to be able to say, okay, we looked at all of the risk factors to include smoking, um, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sedentary lifestyle, stress, um, high stress. Um, family history. Uh, let me see where I have some notes here. Physical inactivity, age and gender are some non-modifiable risk factors. So being a male gender increases your risk over women, right? And age as you increase age, right? So we have modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors. Some of those modifiable risk factors are things like smoking, sedentary lifestyle, things that you can change, right? And the non-modifiable risk factors are things that you cannot change, right? Um, like your family history. So when we look at the, when we look at this, um, as it relates to, we talked about primary, but on a secondary basis, sometimes we see veterans get, um, we do letters for veterans as it relates to hypertension. If they're service connected for hypertension, sleep apnea, if you're service connected for sleep apnea, there's some literature to support coronary artery disease as it relates to sleep apnea, um, stress, like from PTSD or other mental health conditions. Um, let's see, hyper, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, hypertension, diabetes, sleep apnea, and PTSD and depression. Those are the main ones, right? But then obesity or being overweight, right? As an intermediate step, we've done tons of videos on obesity as an intermediate step. Um, it's well known and documented in the literature that obesity is a huge risk factor for coronary artery disease. 
And so some of the literature that we discussed in relation to that, I'm going to talk about here shortly. But just if you can think about anything that can make a person overweight, right? So sedentary lifestyle, let's say you have a mental health condition that makes you have a social phobia, you don't want to go out anywhere, you're just depressed, you don't do anything, um, that can increase your risk for gaining weight. If you have um, service-connected disabilities like orthopedic conditions or asthma or something else that causes you not to be able to physically exercise the way that you used to, that can also make you gain weight or it can be multifactorial, right? It can be um, lack of physical activity and um, compensatory eating habits, right? You binge eat because you have a binge eating disorder that you're service connected for, right? Um, so th those are some things, right? That we, that we look at. So now when it comes to obesity as an intermediate step, Again, if you have multiple risk factors, I say this time and time again, if you have multiple risk factors, like if you have hypertension and diabetes and sleep apnea and you have weight gain, I'm going to include all that information in your letter. I'm also going to include if you're a smoker, right? I'm also going to include if you have this or that. Now, if your only um, thing that's causing you, um, you know, I look at the totality of evidence, right? So if you have 10 risk factors that are not related to your service and you have one thing that you believe is relating it to your service, I look at all those. So if those 10 things are more likely the overall cause, I just can't support an opinion all the time, right? So I look at the totality of evidence, um, but it works in the veteran's favor sometimes when I write an opinion, it works not in the vet. And that's the way any medical expert should approach thing. They look at the to totality of evidence and decide whether um, there's an at least as likely as not um, relationship to service, okay? We don't have MBA disability. We don't have to be 99% right? It's just you have to meet that 50%, at least as likely as not standard to show causation or aggravation by whatever the service connected disability is or relationship to service in general, right? So some of the articles that I use when I'm discussing weight gain <laughs> as an intermediate step um, include the following. You can print them off, take them to your primary care doctor or whoever, ask them to write a medical opinion for you and use this literature, right? So again, the service connected disability would have to... Um, you know, be the primary factor for that, right? And there's a there's specific language that I use on that. I'll go over that in a minute. But lack of exercise is a major cause of chronic diseases. Published in Comprehensive Physiology is an article that I used. Um, Three-year follow-up of participants in a commercial weight loss pro program. Can you keep it off? Published in the Archives of Internal Medicine. Um, Reducing calorie intake may not help you lose body weight. So that's talking about like that weight gain, that dieting alone is in the, it's helpful in the short term, but in the long term, um, just dieting does not show sustained weight loss in the way that exercise will, right? Um, those are just a few of the articles. I have several more, but those are three or four of the articles that I use when I discuss weight gain as an intermediate step to almost any condition, right? So one thing that I think is important to, to notate, let me see if I can find it. Um, my little database here. Okay. The language um, really that they like to see is that the whatever the condition would not have occurred, but for the weight gain or obesity caused or aggravated by the service-connected condition, whatever it is. Um, 
So like if you have other things like in your notes that you just like McDonald's and you, I mean, I like Chick-fil-A, right? You just go and you eat whatever all the time and it's just a personal choice or a lifestyle choice. It's it's very hard to say that um, your obesity is caused by your service. So it really has to be serious that there there is definitely a good history um, to support why, right? Um, why this thing is connected to your service. If it's simply lifestyle choices or or whatever, then that that can be kind of dicey. But again, there's plenty of literature to support that mental health conditions contribute to weight gain in the long run, right? Um, due to compensatory eating habits or um, lack of motivation, et cetera. So I hope that was helpful um, regarding coronary artery disease as it relates to obesity as an intermediate step. Um, oh, really quick, the ratings. I, I like to throw these in here. I'm not an credit agent, BSO or attorney, but I want to talk about the ratings because I know that a lot of veterans are interested in this. Um, so we look at METs. Um, those are... It's it's a calculation that can be done by interview or by other diagnostic tests that show like what what is the um, capacity and what is your workload that you can produce on a daily basis. So if your workload, um, if you have a workload of greater than seven METs, but not um, greater than 10 METs, that results in dyspnea, fatigue, angina, dizziness, or syncope, um, that's 10%. Um it goes up to 30% if your workload of greater than five METs, but not greater than seven. 60% is going to be more than one episode of acute congestive heart failure in the past year or workload greater than three METs, but not greater than five METs results in dyspnea. Um, and then 100% is congestive heart failure um, or uh, with documented coronary artery disease resulting in congestive heart failure or workload of three METs or less results in dyspnea, fatigue, angina, dizziness, or um, left ventricular dysfunction with the ejection fraction of less than 30%. Oh, and that 60% level is if you have an ejection fraction seen on echocardiogram between 30 and 50%. I know those things are kind of confusing. METs generally refers to if you have a very low MET score, that means you're going to get really tired just doing things as simple as doing like housework around the house. Usually if you have greater than um, like 10 METs, you're like a, probably a normal person that can run and do exercise and do different things. And then, you know, as you go down seven METs, five METs, um, you are basically able to do less and less without getting winded. Um, I hope that was helpful. Um, METs stands for metabolic equivalence, by the, by the way. Um, and there's different ways to find out what your MET score is. But a lot of times they just use interview-based METs where they ask you a series of questions about, do you get tired doing the following things, right? And that's how they rate the condition. So I hope that was helpful or clear as mud. Um, please let me know if you guys have any questions, if you'd like to sign up to have us take a look at your stuff. We're always here to assist. Again, they, these letters are never required, um, but you can get one from your primary care or the VA for little to no cost. Um, and uh, that's about it. So let me know if there's anything else you guys like to hear about in the future, especially cardiac wise. I can um, definitely make some more videos, get with my other expert, Heather, and see if she wants to do one with me and see we, if we can bring her expertise to the table. All right. Thanks again for watching. Talk to you guys later.